Hello, welcome to The Thinking Spot. I'm Duncan McGinnis, your host. In our podcast, we discuss topics from politics, science, and history to popular culture and religion. No topic is off limits. There's no such thing as a stupid question. So let's get started. So in our last episode, we talked about the, the, the Zen Cohen of the Muddy Road, um, the parable about the two monks walking down the road, and one of the elder monk um, stopped to help a young woman go across the road, and the younger monk was upset because the older monk had violated his vow to not touch an, a, a female. And, you know, it's pretty straightforward in the way we addressed it in that particular conversation. It was about the younger monk holding on to his concern or resentment or anger or whatever you want to call the emotional attachment that he had to the fact that his master had had touched this young woman. And so it's pretty straightforward. And, And I think most people who actually open their minds and think about that can absolutely understand how much time a lot of us spend worrying about things that other people did um, and we let it bother them, bother us, that someone else has done something that maybe they said they wouldn't do or that we thought they shouldn't do. And, um, and that, is, that is certainly, uh, uh, I think, one of the central useful elements of practicing Buddhism is that you can train yourself um, and you can learn not to worry about what other people are doing and let people do their thing and and have it not bother you. Um, but I think the second part of the Cohen that, that I, I sort of left the question open at the end and I asked my listeners, you, to think about it and come up with some other ideas about that tale that would lead us somewhere to discuss how we do what we do mentally, emotionally, and whatever. And what I was thinking about that was the part about the vows. and. You know, we, as, a, as people, I think, um, I think sometimes we um, lose sight of the value of taking an oath or making a vow. And then I think a lot of times that we, when someone else takes a vow or makes an oath to do or something or to not do something, um, a lot of times we take that as an attack on us if we're not doing the same thing. And I, I think there's probably psychologically a human need to kind of think that what I do is normal and therefore anybody who doesn't do what I do isn't normal or whatever. And so I want to think about that for a minute and think about the monk. Um, You know, I think it's pretty obvious because anyone who has any knowledge of any kind of spiritual tradition where one would go into monastery and become a monk or a priest or a nun or something like that. I think most of us are familiar with the vows of chastity where they, they vow not to have sexual relations with other people. And so... In, in, in the story, the young man is really angry because he took the vow uh, of not to touch a female 
and took it so literally and so um, specifically that, it, that to that younger monk, it meant not to touch one at all for any reason. And the older monk, I think, perhaps had the wisdom to know that helping the young woman across the road was not in any way really probably a, vo a, a violation of the spirit of his vow of chastity or of not touching females for selfish purposes or whatever. And so, but think about this, if you're the younger monk, um, and if, if the circumstances were they're walking down the road and they happened upon a young woman who was injured, or even better yet, being injured, would their vow of chastity or of not to touch a younger a woman um, for sexual purposes, would that vow prevent them from rendering aid to a woman who needed first aid or something like that? And so think about that. But here's the other thing is think about as well is that um, we see this all the time. Um, and not just with vows, because I don't think a lot, a lot of people probably don't, don't actually take really strict vows to withhold things, but uh, I am a recovering alcoholic with 32 years of sobriety, and I will tell you, I have never taken a vow never to drink alcohol again. Um, and people say, well, you know, are you never going to drink alcohol again? And, and, and as, a, as an alcoholic, and in my in my understanding of recovery as I learned it through the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I don't, I don't need to vow never to drink alcohol again. I need to vow to, I'm not going to drink alcohol today. But in the realm of recovery, a lot of times, um, and for some addicts and, and alcoholics, you know, um, there's a saying in, in recovery of, you know, I don't know how many more drunks that I have in me, but I also don't know how many more recoveries that I have. And so, you know, I've taken, I've taken an, a vow, for lack of a better word, that I'm not going to drink today. And then I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to do the same thing and I'm going to do it one day at a time. Because, again, my life has shown me that I really have no control over the future and I don't know what might happen in the future. And so it, in fact, would not even be a useful enterprise to me in, effort, in an effort to stay sober to think about not drinking 20 years from now because I don't even know if I'm going to live 20 years, 20 more years. And in fact, I would tell you it might be somewhat unlikely that I would live 20 more years. Um, but again... Uh, a lot of times people have a tendency to really judge people when they are someone like a recovering alcoholic and they, re they relapse. Um, and then other people who, who aren't recovering people look at them and they judge them in the way that that young monk judged his master um, because they, and obviously helping a young woman across the road is not the same thing as relapsing if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic. But just think about, because um, remember, I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm just trying to get you to think. But think about how you approach your daily life and how you sit in judgment of other people who have made choices that are different than yours. Um, my wife and I gave up meat 
three years ago or so. Now we're not vegans and we're not even strictly vegetarians. I suppose if you have to have a label for everything, we're technically pescatarians because we do eat fish. We also eat cheese and eggs and things like that. But um, we did not do this in any way to suggest that other people should not eat meat. We don't have conversations with other people. We don't tell other people they should not eat meat. Um, if they ask, we will tell them all the benefits that we feel like we've gotten from not eating meat. But we're not the kind of people who are going to um, criticize our friends who have not given up meat because they still eat a pork chop or a hamburger. But here's the thing. Um, I have an acquaintance. I wouldn't really call him a friend because he's sort of a friend of a friend. But... Um, we went on a motorcycle trip together, ride together, and stopped to eat. And the other riders all ordered cheeseburgers and french fries and beer. And, of course, I ordered um, because the place where we stopped was a carnivorous restaurant. It, they did not have any fish options, and they certainly, other than french fries, didn't have any vegetable options. And so I looked at the menu, and on the, on the, on the menu they had a grilled cheese sandwich on the kids menu and I'm like hey I'll have that I'll eat a grilled cheese sandwich and some tater tots and this acquaintance who I've you know I've known for uh, several years but we've only been around each other maybe maybe a total of four or five times in 15 years or so so we're not friends or you know close acquaintances but we cross paths but this guy really seemed to be troubled by the fact that I didn't eat meat. It really bothered him that I didn't eat meat. Um, and it's, you know, we didn't argue. I'm obviously not going to argue it over it, but, but we, I sent, sat there eating my lunch and listening to him talk about, well, why don't we, and, and, and talking about how, you know, he'd rather die than not eat meat. And that's fine. Again, uh, my point is not for me to judge him, but I think you can see very clearly that his mental condition was such that my choosing not to eat meat bothered him so much that he couldn't let it go. And I understand through, through uh, hearsay evidence that he talks about me not eating meat when he's not even around me. And so that's a good example of, of, of what I'm talking about, about this younger monk um, judging the older monk on his vow and that's an ex that's a, an example of, of of how we treat each other as human beings um, and you can take it from there and, and of course not every yeah, we're not strictly talking about vows and living up to them or not but we're talking about um, using your time and your energy mentally and emotionally to worry about what other people are doing and so, you know, my other dear friend who, who uh, is perfectly okay with, with gay people, uh, he says, and seems to be, but he doesn't think they should be able to get married. And he, and he really is adamant that they should have civil unions and they should have, you know, survivorship rights and all the legal things that marriage brings to a couple. But he really thinks they shouldn't be able to get married and call it marriage. And I'm just, and I, I've asked him, on several occasions, I'm like, why do you even care? Why do you care if someone in a state far away from you that you don't even know and you're not ever even going to know, why are you even wasting your energy worrying about what they're doing? 
And so, um, you know, and how many different ways can we take this little principle of us or me or you worrying about somebody else and what they're doing and whether they're living up to whatever the expectation we had of them is, um, you know, and, and, and so you train yourself, you train your, your mind to let go of thoughts that are not useful to you. And so when you spend time worrying about other people and what they are or are not doing, you're expending energy on something that is a completely useless task that has no purpose and that, and that, and that in no way improves your life uh, or your, the life of the people around you. And so if any of this makes any sense, think about that. Think about that younger monk who spent the afternoon mentally upset to some degree because his master helped a young woman mm. and how that was between, um, you know, just that illustrates his inability to focus on what's really important. And so, you know, it, it, we live in a world where um, we really do spend entirely too much time um, talking to other people about stuff that's none of our business. And so how can we use uh, Zen Cohen's like the, the Muddy Road, and how can we analyze those Cohen's and discuss them uh, and, and, and use them to train us to think about things in a little bit of a different way where we liberate our own mind by letting go of thoughts and feelings and emotions that serve no purpose and that we really have no business um, entertaining. So think about that a little bit and, um, you know, think about it. See if you can find a way to apply any of this in your own life. And we'll, um, we'll come up with something else to talk about next time. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Spot today. If you like what you hear, please give us a shout out on your favorite social media platform. Or just go to where you get your podcast and like each episode. Thanks.